0: Thank you for checking out the Faith City Church podcast. We believe that you'll be blessed by today's message. I want to get started in the message this morning. I want to turn to First Thessalonians chapter 5. I want to look at this verse here. This is the Apostle Paul, and he's talking to this church in Thessalonica, but we can also know this is written for us, right? Not to us, but for us. It says, be cheerful no matter what. Now, that very first sentence, when you read it, that could throw you off balance a little bit. You're like, be cheerful no matter what? I mean, seriously? And it goes on to say, pray all the time. Now, I love that he put that because, let me tell you the truth. I have to talk to God constantly all the time in order to be cheerful no matter what. Can I get an amen? And then it says this, thank God no matter what happens. You notice it doesn't say thank God for the bad stuff that happened? It says, thank God, no matter what happens, this is the way that God wants you who belong to Christ to live. Now, when you first read this, it could throw you off balance. Like I said, you could say, come on, Paul, seriously? I mean, you're asking me to be thankful no matter what? I mean, I'm in this world that's filled with negativity. We sometimes struggle to even see good in society, in the hearts of people. I mean, is there anything to be thankful for? Now I understand it's kind of cliche. We're going in November. this is the thankfulness month, right? But I started thinking about this idea of being thankful. When you look at the life of Jesus, every time that he prayed, he says, "Father, I thank you." That word "father" in the Greek means source." Literally, he's saying, "Source of my life, I thank you." Jesus was so thankful. But how many know that he encountered adversity? He encountered negative circumstances in his life. I mean, we're all right there with him, right? He lived as one of us, and so he experienced those things, but he was thankful in all things. So I want to remind us today of the good things in life that God has done and why we should always be thankful. Now, when I say that, I love that Nate was here last week, and he talked about the idea of our emotions. He said, there's a verse, for instance, says, be angry, but sin not. In other words, the Bible's saying, feel the feelings. Sometimes we say, don't be angry so you won't sin. No, no, be angry, but then what happens? Through maturity, we won't sin. We won't act out in a negative way because of the anger, so we must feel. How many of your feelings are okay? Feelings are important. If you stifle feelings down long enough, they're eventually going to come out, and it's going to be like, blah. So we have to feel feelings. We have to let those feelings out. But it's interesting here that even when we go through those feelings and we feel those feelings, we can be thankful for all the things that God has done. It's just putting that focus back on what he has done for us. Do you guys remember, it was like back in the 90s, it was all the rage, those 3D pictures? Do you remember those like in the comic section, they were called magic eye puzzles? Yeah, how many remember those? I guess I'm really old, not too many. Well, they had these puzzles, and what it was is when you looked at it initially, at the surface, at the shallow kind of depth there, all you saw was like a bunch of dots. But you had to look into that picture in order to see what was behind that picture. There was a 3D picture. How many remember this? Now, usually there was one or two people, those who could see it and those who couldn't. And I was one of those who could not. I was frustrated I'd be there, and I'd be like, okay, and I'm like really looking hard, and I'm like, how, how do we do that? How hard? You know, I'd be looking for, for five minutes, and I couldn't see anything. My buddy would be like, oh, a shark. <laughs> what? A shark? It's just a bunch of dots. Oh, it's the planet Saturn. What? Are, are you making this up? One time I told a bunch of friends, I said, did you guys just tell each other what to say, and you're making this up? Because I'm not feeling the love. I couldn't see it. You know, it's interesting when before they actually came out with those pictures, there's a technical term for this. It's called autostereograms. And the thing about these puzzles was that you had to somehow see the image, but not just the shallow surface. You had to see through the image because the actual 3D image was through it. You couldn't look at it. You had to look through it. And so you had these dot filled pictures known as auto stereograms they produced a 3d image when the viewer arranges their eyes a certain way now listen to this in a certain way while looking at the 2d pattern now doctors would use this for decades to study depth perception in human beings and they found that some people could see deeper than others they had to train their eyes and so i went on i wanted to study this a little bit and see how this worked And it said, if you're good at diverging, you can diverge your eyes twice the normal distance. This will cause you to see multiple distorted hidden objects in 3D. Now, if you're not familiar, divergent means this. Instead of looking directly at the image, you move your eyes as if you were looking right through the image. I want us to get this picture. So, A lot of times I believe that our life is exactly like those magic 3D pictures. God says to you, you are righteous. You're in right standing with me. And all you see is a shallow surface. All you see is distortion and dots. But you have to look through with the eyes of faith, with the eyes of the Spirit to see, oh, there I am. For some of us, we can't see it. All we see is the haze. All we see is the dots. All we see is the distortions. God says, all things are new about you. You look at the picture of yourself and all you see on the surface, the shallow, is a bunch of dots, a bunch of haze, a bunch of distortion. And you're like, but I don't see it. And God is saying, the Father is saying, will you look through what you see on that shallow surface to see who you truly are at the core? This is important. We have to see who we truly are. Why? Because of all the distortions that we see about ourselves. Without a show of hands, how many would agree? Yeah, I see myself distorted many times. I hear what the Father's saying. I see what he says in the scriptures. I hear what the Holy Spirit's moving me to in my life, but somehow I just don't see it. All I see is the dots and the haze and the distortion. And he's calling us to a place of looking through that to who we truly are. Because behind that shallow surface is the real you. Turn to the person next to you and say, it's the real you. Loved by God. A child of God. Isn't that awesome? So I titled this, if you want to title this this morning, and I might just continue this through the month of November, Thank God No Matter What. But I put a question mark. Because I think it sounds better to go. Thank God, no matter what. It was funny. I was studying for this, and I uh, had a title, and I was down in my office, and my youngest, Aiden, comes down and he goes, "Hey, Dad, what you? Oh, you studying? Yeah, because see, he sees scripture verses and stuff. He's like, "Oh, you studying? He just cracks me up. I'm like, "Yeah, check out my title. He's like, "Thank God, no matter what. He's like, "Dad, Dad, it's like this. Thank God, no matter what. And I was like, "Yeah. And he goes, "No, like this. Thank God, no matter what. <laughs> And I'm like, dude, you're so cool, man. You know, thank God no matter what. Because that's sometimes how we feel. We're like, thank God no matter what? Are you serious? And so as we look into this today, I want to I make a statement today. And this should be our statement to ourselves. I am thankful that I am not who I was. I am thankful that I'm not who I used to be. Now, the Apostle Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. We're really familiar with the scripture But it's really cool here in the Knox Translation. It says, when a man is in Christ, say in Christ. Christ. How many in Christ? Raise those hands. Raise those hands. He has become a new species, a new creation. Now look at this. His old life has what? Disappeared. Disappeared. I love that word. It wasn't swept under the rug. It wasn't hidden to be brought out another day. It disappeared. It's almost like magic, <laughs> but it's not. This is how God sees us. Isn't this amazing? So this old life has disappeared, and look at this. Everything, say everything. You've got to believe this. Everything has become new about him. Everything has become new about you. Everything. Pastor, I don't see it. I mean, man, I was on the way in this morning, and you don't know how I was cussing that person out when they cut me off. Everything's new about you. All you're seeing is distortion. You see a picture that's not true about yourself. Look through the distortion, look through the haze, look through the dots. The Holy Spirit's showing you who you truly are. Are you getting this this morning? Because when we do, the outflow of our life will look different. Different. I was talking to someone just the other day, and you know, he was talking about how, man, I'm really, I'm really trying, man. I'm, uh, you know, I'm addicted to this, and I'm trying to get through that. And, and I said, whoa, 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 stop, stop, stop. You believe in Jesus, yes. Christ is in you, yes. Okay. You have a distorted picture of who you are. I said, do you know that your life isn't like a, a sum total of how hard and how long you can manage sin in your life? Sin was defeated. You just don't see yourself Right. He's like, huh? So, yeah, you don't see. Do you know that you're pleasing to God? He's like, well, sometimes I said, no, all the time. You're pleasing to God. My children are pleasing to me because they're my children. I might not like their actions sometimes because those actions will hurt them and get them in trouble, but their status with me as children never changes. Am, am I a better father than the heavenly father? Heck no. So I said, you're pleasing you're holy. Oh, not all the time. No, no. Do you know what holy means? It means other. It means set apart. You're in the family of God. You just don't know who you are yet. So how can you act like something that you don't understand or know yet? Of course, he was like, "Whoa, whoa, where's this going? Where's this going? I said, you're pleasing. You're acceptable. You're you're holy. You're, You're righteous. You're in right relationship. He'll never leave you. He will never forsake you. He's there for the journey. He's there for the long haul. He's not going anywhere. And he's not there sticking around to bring shame and guilt to your life. It's to bring healing and wholeness and restoration. And they were like, wow. I should have said, say it backwards. (laughs) But I didn't. You know, it's, it's interesting how we see ourselves. And God's trying to remove those dots and that haze and and those distortions, right? I mean, how many would say even in the way that we see God, when we saw God, we saw this shallow service, we saw anger, retributive, petty, big ego, right? That's the picture we've been painted. Then you look through and you're like, loving, gracious, happy, Father, changes everything changes how you live. It changes how you think. It changes how you talk to God. It changes how you talk to and about yourself. It changes how you talk to others and how you treat others. Man, it's so powerful. And if we could just get this, I'll preach the love of God every single week until we get it. And then I'll preach it some more because we still are just, just the tip of the iceberg. It's so good. But it will change how you act, how you walk, how you talk, how you treat people. I'm telling you, trust me. Trust him. He's saying this is who you are. Everything, say everything, has become new about you. Isn't that awesome? I'm a newly created species. God has made me completely new. So here's a question. Is it possible to be made new but not fully understand your newness? Hey, don't answer yet. We're going to get into this. For most of us, we may know that answer, but I want us to really know that we know that we know when we leave here this morning the answer to this. Is it possible to be made new but not fully understand your newness? I'm going to look at a story that the Apostle Luke wrote about in Luke chapter 17. And here's Jesus. we are start with verse 11. It happened that as he, this is Jesus, made his way toward Jerusalem, he said he crossed over the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he entered a village, ten men, all lepers, met him. They kept their distance, but raised their voices, calling out, Jesus, Master, look at this, have mercy on us. You getting a picture of this? Verse 14, taking a good look at them, he said, Go show yourselves to the priests. Now, this is interesting to me, his answer When they said, have mercy on us, was go show yourself to the priest. Now, hold that thought. We'll get there. What did they do? It says they went, and while still on their way, became clean. Now There's something big in this story. You know how we said, looking past the surface a little deeper? We're going to do that this morning. It says this. One of them, when he realized that he was healed, turned around and came back shouting his gratitude, glorifying God. He kneeled at Jesus' feet, so grateful. Look at this. He couldn't thank him enough. And I love that Luke had put this. Look at this. And he was a Samaritan. Now, we can just read this over this stuff and go, oh, okay, he was a Samaritan. No, 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 you don't understand. Jews and Samaritans did not get along. There was big-time racism going on. And so the very fact that they wrote this, this is what's interesting to me. When you look at the life of Jesus, he hung out with the outcasts of society. He hung out with the Samaritans, those who uh, weren't allowed to worship in the temple, uh, those who were women. You know, women were looked down upon in this time. And it's so crazy. I was talking to someone else. I talk to people a lot. I was talking to someone else this week, and they said, so what do you think about women in ministry? And I said, I think it's awesome. What about preaching and teaching? Yeah, absolutely. I said, do you know that Jesus had female disciples? Just because the society at the time was patriarchal didn't mean Jesus was. Pretty cool. Jesus loved women and men the same. He saw potential in all of them. And so we see here, it says, and he was a Samaritan. But a lot of times we read through these way too quick. I think if we slow it down, let's picture this together. We start with 10 men, say 10 men, who have the worst disease of their day. How many are familiar with leprosy? I mean, the physical ramifications are horrendous. This is not a disease to play with. Leprosy attacks the body. It leaves sores, missing fingers, missing toes, damaged limbs. You get a loss of sensation in your nerve endings, which then you further damage because you can't feel if stuff's too hot, too cold, or what. I mean, leprosy is horrendous. You know that this disease many times would take up to 30 years to run its course in someone's body? Horrible disease. People with leprosy were proclaimed unclean. That's why they were shouting at Jesus. There was a certain distance they had to stay away. If they got too close, they would be killed, according to the law. So people with leprosy, it wasn't just like, oh, he had a disease, and then they got healed. No, this was a horrendous disease. And I think it's nearly impossible for us to even try to fathom what it was like 2,000 years ago, especially with, with our state of you know, medical help and hospitals and things like that. I heard a pastor once say they actually went to a current um, leper colony and they wanted to go in and just minister the love of God to them. And, and she says that she walked back and forth in, in front of this, this entrance to this, this little area three times but couldn't go in. The reason... The overwhelming smell. Just couldn't stomach it. Her heart was to love these people, but it was horrendous. The smell of rotting flesh. It just wasn't this horrendous sight to see somebody missing limbs and rotting flesh. It wasn't just hearing their cries. They had to train themselves to cry out for help. Anyone who can help. Or they had to proclaim unclean, unclean as they came through the town so people would stay away from them. This is their life. Not only that, the smell was atrocious. And so these 10 lepers come to Jesus. And they say, Jesus, Master, Son of David, have mercy on us. Heal us. And his response was, Go see the local priest. I mean, why didn't Jesus say, be healed in the name of me? Your faith has made you whole. He says, go see the priest. Well, we have to understand that a local priest, his only job wasn't, you know, on Saturdays, uh, you're participating in worship and Sabbath and instructing. They also were kind of a, a medical doctor in that they would inspect people in their bodies in order to say, you're clean or you're unclean. And so, what Jesus was saying is, look, you have leprosy, but I'm telling you right now, go to the priest. Because once the priest sees you, if you're clean now, everything changes. Do you know that if you were diagnosed with leprosy, that you immediately, I'm saying immediately, were taken out of your household? No, no chance to hug your children, no chance to kiss your wife. You may never hug or kiss any of your family again. You're done. Sorry, this is how it is. You're done, and you're removed. But imagine if a priest were to look you over and say, you're clean, you're whole, to hold your child again, to kiss your wife again, to see your family again. This is what Jesus was saying. Go be inspected by the priest. Now, what's interesting is when they left Jesus, they were no different than they were 10 minutes before when they were screaming at him, have mercy on us. But what did they do? They trusted him at his word. So they turned and said, he said, go to the priest, missing hands, missing limbs as they're walking by faith in the word of jesus and what he says to see the priest imagine that man with the missing hand he gets this tingling and all of a sudden he looks down and he's got a brand new hand imagine one of his friends he has crutches because he lost the bottom half of his leg and all it is is this bloody stump and this, this rag at the bottom. And all of a sudden, as he's, as he's going with his crutch, a crutch catches on that rag and falls over. And he looks down and realizes to catch himself, there's a brand new leg. Imagine another one of those men. He looks down at his arm. And where it used to be grotesque skin, white hair, white as snow. That's one re- way they would know that if you're a leper, your, your, your hair would turn white. He looks down, and all of a sudden, he has fresh, brand new Skin and the hair turns brown. I mean, imagine this, what they would feel. And Jesus says, go and see the priest. And all 10 say, okay, Jesus, we trust you. We agree with what you're saying, so we're gonna follow through and we're gonna do this. So think about this. They go to the priest and their whole life changes at this point. But if we look back at uh, Luke 17, we see what happens here. It says, taking a good look at them, he says, go show yourself to the priests. They went and while on their way became clean. Now look at this. One of them, when he realized he was healed, turned back around, came back shouting his gratitude, glorifying God. He kneeled at Jesus' feet so grateful. He couldn't thank him enough. And of course we know he was a Samaritan, right? And Jesus says, we're not 10 healed. Where are the nine? Look at this. Can none be found to come back and give glory to God except this outsider? Now, I don't think Jesus was putting him down. Jesus understood the time. He was considered an outsider. And he's like, these other men who weren't outsiders, I mean, I believe they were healed but did they see the same way as a Samaritan man saw? Because he chose to come back and give glory to God. This isn't a threat. This wasn't Jesus saying, oh man, you know, I'm gonna take their healing away now because they didn't thank me. No, no, no. I believe what he's saying here is you see it. You realize that you are not who you used to be. It's completely changed, and out of that comes a thankful heart. See, when we realize who we truly are, everything changes. Our heart becomes thankful. It just, it becomes overwhelmed with his love and his grace and his goodness. And we say, God, you are so good because I'm not like I used to be. you show me who I truly am. I no longer walk as an orphan or a leper. I'm completely whole. I'm completely healed in my spirit, my mind, my soul, my body. You see how this works? But in order for the miracle to happen, these men had to start walking in faith before their circumstances had changed one tiny bit. So maybe Jesus is asking us today. Maybe the Heavenly Father is asking us, do you believe that you're righteous? Do you believe that you're holy? Do you believe that you're accepted? Do you believe that you're pleasing? And we have to look through what we think we are our, our past actions, our past words, and look through that to see who we truly are. And Heavenly Father loves it when by faith we press through, we push through that to see who we truly are. Listen, it's not about, do you have enough faith? Do you have enough faith? Faith is trust. Do you trust him enough to believe what he says about you? I mean, this is every one of us in life. It takes faith to believe God's story about ourselves. Amen? Amen? Because many times, we aren't reflecting that life. How many would say, I don't reflect that life every single day? But it doesn't change the fact that that is your life and that's who you are. Listen, this is important. I want you to hear this. Write this down if you need to. Just because we don't see it doesn't mean it's not true. There's days I can look in the mirror and go, wow, I'm righteous? Wow, I'm pleasing? But just because I don't see it doesn't mean it's not true. And so Jesus says to him, get up on your way. Your faith has healed, and look at this, saved you. Wow. You know, save, that word salvation, sozo, soteria, means preservation, healing, deliverance, wholeness, safety. And so he says, your faith, you believing my word about yourself, has made you whole has made you healed. Isn't that awesome? has delivered you. I am thankful that I am not who I was. So I asked this question earlier, is it possible to be made new but not fully understand your newness? The answer, yes. Yes, it is. But I believe that the Heavenly Father is beckoning us. He's wooing us. He's saying, believe my word about you. Believe my story about you because I want you to see yourself as whole and healed and restored and delivered. I want you to see yourselves as sons and daughters of me. This is what God's saying because when we do, we will be different. We will act different. We will think differently. Never stop being thankful for what he has done to make you who you are. Isn't that good news? Say, I'm pleasing to God. I'm loved by God. His grace is sufficient. You know, there's nothing wrong with confession. This morning I was just saying things about myself, speaking to my body, telling my mind who I truly was in Christ. It's important that we do this. How many know the mind is is powerful? And so, you know, we can say a 37-word salvation prayer but walk out and never feel like we're really saved because, listen, folks, salvation isn't just some ticket to the sweet by-and-by. What did I say earlier? It's preservation, safety, deliverance, healing, wholeness. How many could use that now? And so Jesus provided that for us. Now it's already there, and by faith we lay hold of those things and we believe that it's true about us. This is the very basis for living a life of thankfulness, having an attitude of gratitude. So as you go through this week, I want you to remember this, that you are thankful. Even say with your mouth, I am thankful that I'm not who I used to be. I am thankful that I am not who I was because now I see the truth about myself. Amen. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your grace towards us. And I thank you that the gospel isn't just some some story about, you know, God was so upset and angry and he had to kill somebody and so he killed Jesus. The Bible says that we crucified Jesus and it wasn't just. But I thank you, Heavenly Father, that your answer to that was resurrection. Your answer was you're not living right i never created you to live a life of hatred anger murder greed and retribution i created you to share a life with others of grace and healing and love and goodness and restoration And for many of us here today, we've said yes to that call. We've said yes to following Jesus, to being kingdom people who live differently. A holy nation, we're set apart. And I pray that through our testimony, through our kindness, it's the kindness of the Lord that draws those to repentance. Repentance, metanoia, changing their minds, that they start to see something different about this kingdom something different about this father, something different about his children. And in the course of that, that relationship with people, they say, I want what you have. And we can say, it's been there all along. Look through the dots. Look through that matrix. Look through the the dust and the particles and the distortion to see who you truly are, who God's called you to be. Put your hand on your heart and say, Heavenly Father, thank you for your love. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for my true identity, which is found in you. Today, by an act of my will, I choose to believe your word about Not what I see day to day, but your word about me. And I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're with me. You're pointing out those dark parts of my soul. You're exposing those things that are bringing harm to my life. Not to bring shame, but to bring healing. So I will listen. I will hear your voice and I will obey and walk by faith and say this, I trust you, Father. Say, I trust you, Jesus. Say, I trust you, Holy Spirit. And I choose to follow you. In Jesus' name. Everyone said, amen. Amen. Isn't God good?